growing in God's Word, and learning how to take up our cross and follow Jesus. This is Crosswalk with Pastor Clay Stevens from Cross Culture Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. I've got to have this. I've got to reach that point. I've got to climb this high on the ladder. I've got to live in this particular neighborhood or put my kids in that particular school or I've got to have this and and all those kind of things. And life just will not be complete. Life will not be happy if I don't have this or drive that or, or whatever. Belief. That's an important word. In church, we talk a lot about believing in God, but we also need to talk about who not to believe. Don't believe the world system. Don't believe the satanic influence that covers the culture, the world in which we live, the satanic influence that's leading you astray, that's feeding you lies. Don't believe the world. Hello and welcome to Crosswalk. Today we're finishing up the second chapter of the book of 1 John in a study we're calling the Am I Series. The Apostle John, writing 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John toward the end of his life, lays out a description of what a follower of Jesus Christ looks like. Apparently in John's day, as today, there were people who professed to have faith, but their lives showed something different. In today's message, Pastor Clay is going to talk with us about the lies the world will try to get us to believe. It's clear from the passage today that God has given all believers a way to know whether something is true or not. Thanks for joining us today. Now here's Pastor Clay. know I'm a little, how should we put it, off, right? So, so I was thinking last night, as I, you know, Saturday nights or nights, uh, I go up to my office and I'm just prayerfully going through my message and I spend time in prayer and I'm looking at it and it's never finished. My, my, my sermon work uh, is never finished. I don't know if it is for other pastors, but it's always this work in progress and it never quite comes out when I come up here to, to preach the Word of God. It never quite comes out the way I have written it out uh, during the week. But last night I was thinking about things um, that I would put on a don't do list. Okay, and I didn't spend a lot of time on it. So uh, as, I, as I go through a few of these, you're probably going to think of some, and you're going to say, oh, we need to add this to that list, or we need to add that. So you can make up your own don't do list. But I came up with just a, a, a few don't do items. Okay? All right. Okay. Let's, uh, let's look at the first one. Here's the first one. Don't drive a smart car in a demolition derby. That's, that's, I just don't think it's a smart idea. I just wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. I've never been in a, a demolition derby. I've never been in a smart car. But I'm pretty sure those two things wouldn't go together very well. Does anybody know what a smart car is? It's like the size of a matchbox car. No insult if you drive a smart car. It's just... I wouldn't do it in a demolition derby. Okay, all right, uh, what's another one? Don't eat sushi from an interstate truck stop. I just don't, now I don't eat sushi from, any, from anywhere, but I'm, I just don't think that would be a very good idea. Don't, I, w- I wouldn't do that. Would y'all do that? All right, so we're in agreement. Uh, here's another one. Don't juggle jars of nitroglycerin. I, I just, that, 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 that could just blow up in your face. It would. <laughs> y'all are killing me now. I wouldn't, I juggled, so I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't do George Nathan. Don't say to a professional wrestler, that stuff is fake. I, I would put that on my don't list. Don't, don't do that. Don't say that to Ivan the Terrible or somebody like that. Don't try to hand feed a grizzly bear. That's not a good idea. Sebastian, do you think that's a good idea? Yeah, it's not a good idea at all. 
don't, don't try to hand feed a grizzly. But it's just a list, a random list of don'ts that I came up with. Clearly y'all aren't impressed. Don't compare your wife's hair color to a car color. Now, now this, one, this one I did. Some of y'all know this. I've said this before. Uh, my wife has, has had some hair color through the years. And uh, one time she came home and, and I don't remember if she asked me, well, how do you like it or what do you think or whatever. I don't remember. But I said, it looks maroon. That didn't go over well. That was not a good color choice to use. So don't, don't compare your wife's hair color to an automobile's color. Uh, what else? Uh, don't use the word hit in an Italian restaurant in New York City. I don't, I don't these thought this stuff's just coming in my head. I'm just writing it down, right? It's just, I wouldn't use that, you know, because the whole mafia thing. Or Y'all get it? Yeah. Do I have another one? Uh, don't water ski barefoot with a can of beer in your mouth. Now, I did not do this, but I know a guy that did. And... Uh, and if, if, if you're not, if you, if you don't know what barefoot water skiing is, it's it's skiing barefoot without any skis. You can you can ski without skis. If the boat propels you along fast enough, you have to be travel at a higher rate of speed. And a bunch of us guys used to do that, and growing up in Florida, and so we could barefoot and we would barefoot ski. And um, this one guy uh, was barefoot skiing. And you know how you know people sometimes say that that alcohol uh, is like liquid courage. Right, you ever heard that term, alcohol's liquid courage? Well, I'm just going to tell y'all, alcohol can also be liquid stupid. Because, because he's water skiing, right? And, and this now, this is, this is how you do it if you're like really cool, really good at it. You, you're on a slalom ski, right, and you're going, and uh, you would take one foot out and you'd put it in the water. Y'all with me so far? Put the heel in the water. You've got to keep your heel in the water. Don't, don't let your toes get in the water. And then the really cool guys and the guys that had the strength to do it, I could not, I literally could not do that. I couldn't do it this way. I would just kick it off and go. But, but the really cool guys could bend down and pick up the ski. They've dra- got one in the water and they pick it up. And as they pick it up, they pull it off and stick the other foot in. And then they, they'd carry the ski over their shoulder like this, going, going down the lake until they came by a, a bunch of good-looking girls on the beach where they could throw the ski out to them as they go by, which, of course, they're going to have to go back and get the ski, see? We're, we're, not, we're not stupid in Florida. We're not. And so, so, so Paul is doing this one day, and he's ready to do this, but he's also got a can of beer in his hands. And you only got so many hands, you know, so what does he do? He, he sticks the beer can in his mouth uh, while he's... Y'all can, y'all can probably figure this out, but uh, it didn't end well because he just face planet as he was trying to kick the ski off or whatever and I don't know if you've ever hit the water at 40 plus miles an hour but it's like hitting concrete and all of his front teeth were instantly removed oh yeah oh yeah it was don't 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 do that don't that would that should be on the list okay was that all I had Tyler do I have that, that was all I had? Okay. So that, that's, that, that's just a list. I was just thinking of things that, you know, don't, don't do those things. Now, my don't do list, I understand. My don't do list is kind of silly and clearly not as comical as I thought it would be. But, but the Apostle Paul, or the Apostle John's don't do list is much more serious and much more important for you to know. Uh, we're in 1 John 
uh, chapter 2. We started there last week, and, and we started with this first don't do item. And John said this, don't love the world. Don't do it. Don't love the world. And I covered 12 through 14 last week. Uh, I won't read that again this week, but I will read uh, 15 through 19 uh, just briefly to summarize. He says, do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. The world is passing away, and also its lust. But the one who does the will of God lives, what's that word there? I'm sorry. Forever. We'll talk about that again later. Children, it is the last hour, and just as you heard the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have appeared. From this we know that it is the last hour. That's kind of some of the evidence, the opposition that was coming against uh, the, the, the true message. They went out from us, but they were not really of us, for if they had been of us, they would have remained with us. They would have remained doctrinally lined up, scripturally lined up with what the Word of God taught. But they went out so that it would be shown that they, are all, they all are not of us. So, so John's don't do list uh, starts with that big one. Don't love the world. And the reason that I, that I gave you uh, last week, just to remind you of, uh, number one, is because it comes from a bad source. It comes from, it, it, it comes from, from, from a world that is uh, distorting the truth from not, not just teachers and these false teachers, Certainly, that was a large part of it. But the, but the idea, the world in general, that, that, that world system that we'll talk more about in a moment, that it, it's, just a, it's a bad source. It's, it's, not, it's not a good source, and so you shouldn't love that source. Ultimately, it's satanic in its origin and in its attempt to do what it's going to do, which we'll talk about in just a second. So I said, we said um, it comes from a bad source, and, and then also John reminded us that it will have a bad ending. There in verse 17 through 19, he says, all that, all this stuff of the world, guys, keep, keep it in perspective and keep in mind that it is passing away in the end. It's all passing away. And so keep that in mind uh, as you're, and we talked about what does it mean to love the world and not love the world. If you didn't, weren't here and want to hear that message, uh, you can catch it on YouTube or you can catch it on podcasts. Go back because we kind of walk through what, what that means and what it doesn't mean when we say not to love the world. So you may want to catch that. But, but we shouldn't do it because it's, it's going to have a, a bad ending it's perishing it's it's going away and then i just gave you i think just just three warnings uh about um loving the world first one was the world will draw you right it, it'll just it just pulls you towards the things of the world the the things that 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 you know you know what i'm saying y'all know and, and i said the main problem with being drawn towards things is that you it, it means you're usually being drawn away from something, and that something or that someone is God, that oftentimes the world will draw us away from this intimacy, this, this personal thing that God wants us to have with him. Do you understand? So the, and that's what the world will do. You just, I'm just telling you, you have to be aware. The world will draw you. Second thing I said is that the world will distract you. Right? You're, you're going along, you're trying to do this Jesus thing, you're trying to honor him, you're trying to live for him, and then just like out of nowhere, it's like, ooh, ooh, shiny, shiny. Right? And it just it'll just distract you, right? Let me give you let me give you an example. Who who at some point or another, I don't can't imagine anybody, but who at some point or another has not been driving down the road, the interstate, whoever, and seen one of them gigantic billboards for the Powerball jackpot, right? Powerball jackpot, six hundred million dollars or seven billion dollars. I don't know, whatever. 
600 million, who has not at some point been driving down the road, seen one of those signs, and suddenly found yourself beginning to daydream about what you would do with that kind of money? Now, I, you know, yeah, there's, a, there's an honest Clemson fan back there. He raised his hand immediately, right? I, I don't think there's, there's not many of us that would not say at some point or another, it's like, wow, $600 million. What would I, what would I do that? Oh, and by the way, before you say it, I already know, because several of you told me, I know that the first thing you would do with it is buy a building for Cross Culture Church. Some of you told me that. Thank you very much. And speaking of that, uh, Cindy told me uh, that someone fairly recently told her that the rumor was that Pastor Clay doesn't even want a building. Pastor Clay doesn't even want a building. I don't even know where that kind of stuff comes from, but I did want to say this, that I would love to have the right building in the right location that, that we can actually afford to have. What, what Pastor Clay will not be a part of is the idea that we have to have a building in order to be a church. I, I'm telling you, through the, through the years that we've been doing this and y'all have been setting up and tearing down and serving and doing all this the years we've been doing, we've changed some lives. Not as many as, as we want. I think we want to see more, right? But we've seen lives change. We've seen marriages change. We've seen, we've seen God do miraculous things. We don't have to have our own, you know, building to be a, at Public Safety Day. I had a lady come out. I was engaging a lady. I was talking to her, and uh, it turned out that she was uh, already a member of another uh, church. But she said to me, uh, any hope of, of someday getting your own, own church? It's a good thing I... It's a good thing I was in the spirit in that moment because I, <laughs> I say, but I did. I said to her, well, I'm pretty sure we are a church. I'm, I'm pretty sure that, that we, we meet in high school, but we're, we're trying to do it for the, for the uh, glory of God. So I'm, I'm pretty sure we are a church. Listen, uh, and what I refuse to engage in also, is just, just to cover this and we'll move on, is that, uh, is that we have to have our own building in order to grow. And I know some of y'all think that, that we have to have our building. I'm going to tell you something. We will, this church will grow to the extent that every single one of us gets out and does exactly what Jesus told us to do. Luke chapter 14, verse 23, you remember these words? Then the master said to the servant, go out to the highways and hedges and compel them. It's a very strong word in the Greek. Compel them to come in so that my house may be filled. It doesn't matter if it's this room or, or some building here or there or whatever. In God's timing, God bless them it'd be fantastic and if you want to write a million dollar check do it man we'll we'll find a building for that kind of money okay where was i before i got distracted oh yeah the world will distract you the world will the world will distract you and then the last thing we said last week is the world will destroy you and and i was i was very upfront especially with those who are, are not believers if you're not a follower of jesus christ if you're not a believer in jesus christ the world the world will draw you and the world will distract you right into hell. It absolutely will, if it can. But I didn't spend as much time with this, but I would say even to those of us who are believers, know we're redeemed, know I'm saved, know I'm going to heaven, the enemy cannot destroy you in the literal sense. He cannot send you to hell. He cannot cancel out your salvation, which was blood-bought by Jesus Christ on the cross. But he, he will try and destroy what God wants you to have in this life. Everything God wants you to have, which is more than you can believe, he wants you to have. And if the enemy can steal that from you by distracting you or drawing you away, he will destroy that victory that God desires for you to have in your life. So that was at the top of John's don't list. Don't love the world, okay? 
All right, let's look at the second one then uh, this morning in the the new passage we're taking up. Don't believe the world. Don't love the world and don't believe the world. I'm going to pick it up in verse uh, 20 and and go from there. Y'all with me? But you have, what's this? But you have an anointing from the Holy One and you all know I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar but the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son, the relationship between the Father and the Son, the equality that exists in that. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father. The one who confesses the Son has the Father also. As for you, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. In other words, John says that's that's the evidence, how you know that you're part of him, if you're abiding in him. We'll come back to that idea. This is the promise which he himself made to us, eternal life. These things I have written to you concerning those who are trying to deceive you. As for you, the anointing which you received from him abides in you, and you have no need for anyone to teach you. Uh Uh-oh. But as his anointing teaches you about all things and is true and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you abide in him. There's that word again. Now, little children, abide in him. So that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink away from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone also who practices righteousness is born of him. Father God, I I pray in Jesus' name as we uh, kind of dive into this newer part of the text. That again, that uh, that your power would be manifested in the lives of each person. God help us. Boy, a lot of stuff clamors for our attention. Even in a room like this. What somebody's posting on Facebook or what a friend is saying in, on Instagram or what some person three rows over is. There's a lot of stuff that can distract us. God, I, I pray that your spirit would so grip our hearts and lives in this moment as we talk about these things that, uh, that we would grasp them, that we would internalize them, and that we would apply them uh, to our lives today. That's what I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so don't believe the world. The world system. Don't believe the world system. Don't believe the satanic influence that that covers the culture, the world in which we live. Don't believe this, this satanic influence that's leading you astray, that's feeding you lies. Don't don't believe the, the Madison Avenue uh, marketing gurus that, that convince us and try to sell us the things that will make our life complete or better or uh, more fulfilled or happier. Don't believe the things of the world because it's a lie. Now, for the record, I, I don't blame the 
Madison Avenue or where they might happen to be, uh, the, the clever and, and quick Madison Avenue executives and, and marketing experts that, that come up with the very, often very clever, perhaps sometimes a bit deceptive uh, ads that they use to try and convince us that we need this thing in our life uh, to, be, to be happy. I, I, don't, I don't blame them, and part of the reason I don't blame them is because they're caught up in it too. Right, that 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 it's just it's just the natural thing in this world to be caught up in this idea that that I've got to have this and I I've got to I've got to reach that point I've got to climb this high on the ladder I've got to have that many zeros in my salary I I've got to live in this particular neighborhood or or put my kids in that particular school or I've got to have this and and all those kind of things and and, and life just will not be complete life will not be happy if I don't have this or drive that or or whatever and that that. They're caught up in it just as much as we are in, in this, this grasp for things that, for things, quite honestly, that are, that are about as permanent as a cupcake in my granddaughter Miss Ellie's hands. It just, it just don't last long. So, so, so I don't, I don't blame that. I'm not, I'm not blaming them for this, this whole thing. It's, it's the influence of the world system that draws us, that keeps us, you know, distracted or being drawn or you know, got to have be over here. I got to get this. I got to do whatever. I'm telling you. Ultimately, I believe this is a satanically. I truly believe this. Call me crazy, but I believe it is a satanically based influence designed to keep people away from, from, from introspection, to keep their lives away from looking at their lives and what brings meaning to their lives. And I believe that ultimately that, that all that, that, that the world offers to us and, and draws us to and distracts us with and all this kind of stuff, and, I, I, and we've talked about this before, it's not that having things, it's not that it's, those things in themselves are bad and all that kind of stuff. I'm just saying to you that the world draws us to those kind of things and ends up distracting us from what really is important in our life. And it keeps people, oftentimes, because they're so busy, they're so running, they're so doing this or that, or trying to accomplish this, it keeps people from, a- from asking the ultimate question in life. And the ultimate question in life, ladies and gentlemen, is what is the meaning of my life? That's really the ultimate question of life. What is the meaning of my life? What, what makes life worthwhile? What makes it all worth? And, and, and so, so the world system keeps us focused on this stuff that, as I said, is passing away, but keep our focus there instead of on what is real meaning in life. Because if, I, if, a, if, if a person comes to the place where they'll ask themselves when, they're, when they'll really genuinely in some moment say man what what is this all about what is life all about if a person gets to that place in their life listen to me that's when they're at a place where god can use that occasion to draw them to himself and to help them see that there is more to this life as stephen curtis chapman says there's more to this life than living and dying more than just trying to make it through another day and so he keeps us distracted and, and, and he's distracting us with this stuff that, that ultimately is a lie. Because here's what he says. He says, don't, don't believe the world. And look at what he says. It's because 
He says, you have a better source. You have a better source for you to Last week we saw that he said, don't love the world because it comes from a bad source. Now he's telling us, don't believe the world because you have a better source. There in, in, in verses, particularly in verses 20 through 24, he says you have something better. You have something better. You have something better to gather your truth from. And look at what he says in that, the first part, I think, of the verse there. He says, but you have an anointing. See what he says? But you have an anointing from the Holy One, the, the Holy Spirit. He's referring to the Holy Spirit. But you have an anointing from the Holy Spirit. Would you say that out loud? I have an anointing. Don't get nervous. I, sometimes we get nervous. We think, man, we're going Pentecostal. We start talking about anointing. But that's what John said, so I think it's safe to use, right? But you have an anointing from the Holy One. In the Old Testament, um, kings and prophets and priests were anointed with oil. Oil was, was poured on them. And it, it, was, a, it was a demonstration. It, it symbolized, okay, when, in the Old Testament, when someone was anointed with oil, it symbolized the, the Holy Spirit's power working in their lives to accomplish what they were called to do, be it king, be it priest, be it prophet, whatever it would be, that this, this anointing symbolized the Spirit's power to work in their lives. Bless you. Since the cross, because of what Jesus Christ accomplished on the cross, all believers, all those who are in a relationship with him, everybody, Lalo, has an anointing. They have the presence of the Holy Spirit dwelling in their lives, in your lives. You have this anointing upon you. And I, and I know we don't think about it a lot, and I, and I tell people all the time, to, to say that the Spirit of God dwells within you doesn't mean that that lightning strikes or, you know, some fantastic thing has to happen or you have to start speaking in some gibberish or, or something like that. Sorry. If you're, but it doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that. And, and what John specifically addresses here are these, these false uh, teachers that were trying to convince the people of, of something that wasn't true. And in this particular case, uh, upon the relationship between the Father and the Son, upon the deity of Christ and the fact that He was, he, he was equal to the Father. And, and they, were, they were teaching that, no, he, you know, He's not quite right, He's not quite, you know, Jesus is not quite God, or He's, he's a good guy, or whatever it is. That John is specifically addressing that uh, doctrinal error. Now listen to me. Today... That would include Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses. I'm talking about people that think that Jesus Christ is less than God Almighty. Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, Muslims, Judaism, Buddhism. Can you understand? Hinduism, can you understand? We're talking about billions of people on this planet. We are literally talking about billions. I think there are a little over 7 billion people on this planet. We are talking about several billion of those people who have bought the lie in one form or fashion. And I know, I know, the politically correct police would tell me that I have no business saying that those other religions are wrong. But listen, can I just say this to you? Somebody's wrong. 
somebody's wrong, right? I mean, somebody's wrong. The atheist says God does not exist. There is no God. The atheist says there is no God. The Mormon says you can become a God. Right? The pantheist says everything is God. Oprah says there are many ways to God. And Jesus said, John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes into the Father but by me. Do you understand? Those are mutually exclusive claims, so they can't all be right. Somebody's wrong. And, I, and I'll just tell you, we may, we may be moving to, in that direction as a culture, but I'm just going to tell you right now, you get, save the bail money, because I'll go to jail before I'll deny that Jesus Christ is God, before I'll stop saying that he is the only way to heaven. I'll go to jail. So save, save your bond money for me. For me. He says, don't, don't, don't believe the world. You have a, a better source than that. And, listen, he says, not only do you have a better source than those guys, you can do way better than those guys for your source of, of truth. You have the, the anointing, the Holy Spirit within you. Not only do you have a better source, but he says, you'll have a better ending. Last week he said, don't love the world because it'll have a bad ending. Now he says, don't believe the world because you will have a better ending. Let me, uh, what is it, verse uh, 24. Five, I think. This is the promise which he himself made to us, eternal life. These things I have written to you concerning those who are trying to deceive you. As for you, the anointing which you have received from him abides in you, and you have no need for anyone to teach you, but as his anointing teaches you about all things and is true and is not a lie, just as it has taught you, you abide in him. Now little children abide in him so that when he appears we may, not, we have, may have confidence and not shrink away from him. And shame and his coming. If you know that he is righteous, if you know that he did the right thing and teaches the right thing and, and, and all that, said, then you know that everyone also who practices righteousness lives as we looked at last week, week before last, basically imitates Christ, tries to do life like Christ. That's evidence. John's going back to the idea of what is the evidence that you really are part of the family of God. In the earlier part of chapter 2, John said, the world, the world system, the stuff of the world, even the materialistic, the stuff of the world, it's going to have a bad ending. Now, he turns around and he says, but you, you're part of the body of Christ, you're going to have a very good ending. Technically, it's not really an ending, so technically, you're going to have a very good non-ending. Because, again, he says in verse 25, and this is the promise which he himself made to us. Say it. Say it, eternal life. This is the promise he himself. It's not some promise some jack leg made and said, well, I'm pretty sure that you think, well, I think I heard that. Well, uh, the rumor is that you, no. He himself has promised you eternal life. I know we don't know what all that will be like. But I'm, and, and everybody's got their own idea. Well, uh, for me, heaven is going to be uh, 36 holes on the Pacific Ocean, and for me, the heaven is going to be like, listen, heaven's going to be like exactly like the way God is ma making it, right? It's what it's going to be like. And it's going to be a million times better than anything you and I can possibly imagine. This is the promise, eternal life. 
Listen, can I just show you just a few places where he made that promise? Just a few places. Uh, uh, most of it from John. John chapter 5, from John's gospel account. John chapter 5. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has, what? Eternal life. And does not come into judgment, but has passed out of death into life. Real life, abundant life, eternal life. Uh, here's another one, John chapter 11. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. I'm not discounting the fact that, that all of us someday, and I've said this many times, many a funeral, there's, a, there's one of those caskets waiting for every single one of us. There's a hole in the ground waiting for every single one of us. Uh, all that's waiting. But, but, but Jesus says, listen, even if you die, yet shall you live. Eternal, that's really what eternal life is. Is. And then uh, John chapter 14, do not let your heart be troubled. Do not, don't, don't let your heart be troubled. Believe, you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. And if it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for, say your name. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Yeah. Yeah, hallelujah. That's good news. Let me give you, throw, throw one in from the Apostle Paul. Colossians chapter 3. Therefore, if you have been raised, he kind of summarizes all, therefore, if you've been raised up with Christ. Watch this. Therefore, if you have been, in other words, if you are genuinely in this relationship with him, keep Seeking the things above. Man, Paul says that so many times in his letters, doesn't he? Keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated. Seated at the, is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above. Not on the things that are on earth. For you have died. In other words, you're, you're living your life as if you, you identified with Christ and you, you died to that old way of life. For you have died died and your life is hidden with christ and god and when christ who is our life is revealed then you also will be revealed with him in glory you know what you call that eternal life it starts now it starts the moment i receive christ as my savior and it, and it extends off into infinity this is the promise for those who are in Christ. And, and, and see why, if you were with us in chapter 1 and in the early part of chapter 2, why John keeps hammering home. This is how you can know you're saved. This is how you can know you're in a relationship with God. This is how you can know that you have eternal life. Because this is a big, man, this is everything. Everything is on this. I, you know, I, I'm not the greatest philosopher in the world, but I'm pretty sure eternity is a long time. Okay, um, we have, we will have, a better ending. It's an important word to keep in mind. Uh, I'll come back to it in a minute, but it's an important word to keep in mind in the midst of the stuff y'all go through. Anybody going through any stuff? Even right now, you want to? Right? In the midst of all that? Man, this is the promise he himself made to me. Eternal life. I, I want to come back to that in a minute, but before I do, there are two words that jump out uh, at the end there, chapter 2, that, uh, particularly, that I want to just point out. The first one was anointing. He says anointing in verse 27, first part of verse 27 that I just read a moment ago. He says, the anointing which you received from him, right? We just read that. Earlier in verse 20, he had said, uh, but you have an anointing from the Holy One and you all know. It is the, this uh, anointing. And as I said then, it, what he's talking about is the presence of the Holy Spirit in a person's life. 
if they know Christ as their Savior, the Holy Spirit dwells within them. Now, obviously, there are a lot of benefits to having the Spirit of God dwelling within you, right? You could say that there are, there are a lot of benefits. Uh, for one, assurance of salvation. I, I may at times act like, oh, man, why did, why did I do that? Why did I, why did I say that word? Jesus would never, but, but his spirit confirms in me that, that, I, that he holds me. I'm not trying to hold on by doing enough good stuff. He holds on to me. Assurance of salvation. What's another one? Uh, power for our lives. Power to, for all the junk and the stuff and the mess that life can be and that throws at you that, that in the midst of all that, you have a power source within you to connect into. What's another one? Peace in our lives. Peace in the midst of it, right? In the midst of the turmoil and the tornadoes that life can be in the midst of all of that to actually know and have peace. But particularly uh, here in 1 John chapter 2, the emphasis of the benefit is on the knowledge of the truth. That's what he says. That's a benefit of the Spirit of God because you have access to the truth. You have access to the knowledge of the truth. The truth, and then he says, "Here it comes." And he says, "There in uh, in ver- latter part of verse twenty-seven, he says, because you have the truth, you have no need for anyone to teach you, but as his his capital H Holy Spirit, as his anointing teaches you about all things, and is true and is not a lie." Now, <clears throat> before you fire me, uh, because John just said you have no need for anyone to teach you. John is not saying that it's wrong to be taught. John himself is teaching them in this very letter that he's written to them and in his gospel account and in the preaching, preaching that he did in the churches where he went, John, John was always teaching. It's not, it's not wrong to, to teach. He's not saying that that's, that's wrong. It's not wrong for parents to teach their children the things of God and the love of God and, and what God did for them. It's not wrong for those who have walked with Christ for a longer period of time to help teach and instruct those who are brand new in their relationship with Christ. It's not wrong for pastors to teach the Word of God, the words of life, to the people of God so that they become firmer and stronger uh, and more complete in their faith. That's not wrong. What, what, what's, what he's saying is, he's not saying that it's wrong to be taught or to teach. What he's saying is, is that the same Holy Spirit dwells in all of us. If you belong to the family of God, you have the exact same Holy Spirit and and the exact same amount of the Holy Spirit dwelling in you as dwells in me. I have no more access to the truth of God's word than you do. But listen to me. I I can say this quickly. Real quickly. But you need to hear this. It's not... It's not an I dream a genie kind of thing where you fold your arms, go boom, and you just receive the power of the Holy Spirit. That's for older people. They, they would get that. Or, or TV land fans. It, it, it's a, God doesn't just wave a magic wand and instantly you have all the wisdom and discernment and knowledge uh, that the Holy Spirit is going to uh, give to you. God doesn't work that way. Well, why not? It would certainly be easier if he did. It certainly would be easier. But listen to me. It certainly would be easier for you if God just did it that way, but it wouldn't be better for you. Because, listen to me, it's never been about just acquiring knowledge. 
It's been about desiring Him. Not just about acquiring knowledge from Him, but desiring Him, walking with Him, knowing Him intimately, personally. And that only comes from spending time with Him. Not just, okay, okay, Clay, you have all the, all the wisdom you need to make all the right decisions in life. I grew up in a small little country town. When you grow up in a small agriculturally based town, many of the things that you do are agriculturally related. Tipping cows. <laughs> stealing oranges. That, that other guy did that. The guy with the beer can in his mouth, he, he did that. But when I was in, uh, when I was in school, when I was in, uh, I think started in middle school, but I was in high school, uh, I was a member of FFA, Future Farmers of America. Y'all know, y'all know the blue corduroy jacket? I've still, my wife, bless her heart, she's still got it. I meant to ask her la- uh, this morning to, to bring it, because she's got it, still got it in my, my FFA jacket. It would fit on this arm, probably, but... <laughs> And you remember FFA, one of the big highlights of the year was uh, a cow show, cow showing. And what you would do, at least in Okeechobee, is you would, you would raise a, a, a calf up uh, to a, a mature animal, and you would ha- you'd go to the show, you'd have a competition, and judges would judge uh, the size of that animal, its muscle content, and it, its health, and, and the way it stood, and the way you could lead it around, and it could turn, and it would look at both sides, you know, judges would look at, and they'd make their computations, and, and they would hand out blue ribbons, and, and uh, grand, grand uh, champion trophies, and, and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, I, think, I think I was a freshman in high school, I was either in middle school or freshman in high school, and I decided I was going to uh, show a cow, and so I wanted a, a, a beef cow, a, a steer, uh, to be precise, a Charlet steer, to be precise. My dad was a dairyman, and so I'll just be honest with you, I'm sure it was probably a bit of a slap in the face to him that I wanted to show a beef animal rather than a dairy cow. Maybe it's because I'd been around dairy cows all my life and I wanted something new, I don't know, but I, I'm sure it probably was an insult to my dad. Nevertheless, he let me get that little Charlet calf, and, I, and I, I invested a year of my life in that thing, man. I, I, I kept it up. I went, you know, twice a day, morning and evening, watered it and fed it and groomed it and brushed it and gave it the medications that it needed when it needed it. And I taught it how to walk on a harness and walk beside me and how to turn and, and how to stand a certain way they, the judges want and all this kind of stuff. A year of my life, man, I put into this, uh, raising up this, this, uh, this calf into a, a, a mature a steer. And the closer we got to the show day, the more excited I got about it because uh, in my mind, uh, I mean, I was pretty sure that I was already going to get the blue ribbon and be the, have the grand champion trophy uh, because uh, my steer was awesome. I mean, it was, you know, I had, I had put a lot into this, this Charlet. And so uh, I was pretty sure that I was going to win it all. Bask in the glory. The day arrived when you had to go and register your animal. You'd register, you'd take it down, register the animal, It'd be weighed, and then the show, the big show, and it was a big deal in a small town, man. The big show was the next, was the next night. 
Cecil, the former of my dad's dairy, had the cattle trailer that we can take down there. And I don't know, it's just too long ago, I don't remember what happened, but he got caught up in something and he was running late. Um, so it was later in the afternoon before we got to take uh, my uh, steer down to be registered. When we got down there, I discovered that they only allowed a certain number of animals in each category to be registered and to compete in the competition. And they already had their quota. They are already full. And I was devastated. I don't, I don't mind telling you. I'll say this to you. I went home and cried like a baby. Because I had poured a year of my life into this thing. And now I couldn't even, sh- now I couldn't even show the animal. And, and, I, and I had friends. I had, I had other guys that, that got in the show. And I knew they hadn't worked nearly as hard as I had or put in nearly as much effort as I had. But they were going to get to show their And their animal wasn't nearly as good as mine was. But they were going to get to be in the show. The, day, the night after the big show, when the judging is done and the blue ribbons and the grand trophy, grand champion trophy is given out, the night after that night was the sale where uh, everybody could sell off their, the animals that they had raised if they wanted to. But the thing about the auction was it wasn't limited to the animals that had been in the show. Anybody could sell their animal, any student could sell their animal in this auction if they wanted to. I'll be honest with you, I was, I was bummed, I was, I was demoralized by the way things had gone and all that kind of things, but, but I, I, I decided to, to sell my animal at the auction. And when, my, when it came time for my steer to be auctioned, um, the bidding started, and the bidding just kept going up, and it kept going up, and it kept going up. And I remember noticing that there's these two particular guys that kind of sat across from each other in the arena. It's arena I mean, the bleachers are full of people, right? And that these two particular guys are, are, are bidding back and forth on, on my steer so that, that eventually my steer ended up being the highest uh, price per pound of any animal sold at the auction that night. And people were coming up to me, and people were slapping me on the back and saying, Congratulations, man, you had the high-selling animal, and all this kind of stuff. And I, I, I don't know when. It wasn't right then. I don't, can't even tell you when, how long it was, but it's, at some point in, later in my life, it dawned on me that the two guys that were bidding for my cow, for my steer, were both feed salesmen that my dad did business with. And he never said a thing about it. My dad never said a thing about it. But I know my father, my dairyman father, made sure his son's beef steer that my life had a better ending that night. Our heavenly father has said to us, in all of this junk, that life can be in all that you can and will go through, all the good, the bad, the what you think you deserve, don't deserve, in the midst of all of it. You, ladies and gentlemen, have a better ending. What a tremendous blessing for our lives to have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. As Pastor Clay explained today, the Holy Spirit leads us into truth that we can build our lives on. 
Satan and the world system he influences tries to convince us that we can find our life by focusing on the things the world has to offer. But as we saw today, real life, eternal life, is found in abiding in God. We're glad you joined us for this week's message on Crosswalk. Pastor Clay is the author of the book, I Get It, Discovering How to Really Live in the Promises of God. My prayer is that God would use it to help some people understand a few things about what it really takes to live in the promises of God. God wants you to live a life of peace and purpose and meaning and hope and fulfillment and contentment. He wants you to live a life without fear and without anxiety. Many people at some point in their life feel disconnected with the type of life and faith they read about in the Bible and what their lives look like on a daily basis. What is it that we're missing? What is it that we're not getting. If I'm not really living in the promises of God, why is that? That's what this book explores. I Get It is available online in electronic versions for the Nook and Kindle, as well as paperback from Amazon.com. And ask for it by name at your favorite local bookstore. You can go in bookstores and just say, hey, uh, have you got a book in here uh, entitled I Get It from Clay Stevens? They can order this book out of their catalogs that they get. Get your copy today. Discover the promises of God and the steps you need to take to get it. And join us here each week online for another Crosswalk message. God has invited us to know Him through His Word, the Bible, a perfect record of God's revelation to man and applicable for every area of our lives. And if you're in the Raleigh area, we invite you to be a part of cross-culture worship. We meet at 1030 every Sunday morning at the Leesville Road High School, a mile and a half south of I-540, exit 7. We're a church, but instead of religion, we're about relationships. And instead of rituals, we practice real. Our desire is to be used by God to show people that a life built on the finished work of Christ on the cross is where they will find what they're searching for. Learn more about us, who we are, what we're about, what we do, and what we believe. Visit us online at crossculture.church. I'm not the water, I'm not the bread, but I know the place where your soul is fed. So hungry and thirsty, come and be blessed. Culture Church, taking the cross to our culture and taking our culture to the cross.